I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm very worried about today's episode of Retro Ups and Downs because if we take WrestleMania 31 as the way that life can just be, at any time, somebody may run in, twonk me right on the head, and they will start presenting the show instead. I know, I bet you're like, man, I hope that does happen. I hate that, Simon Miller, but it's not good for me. I don't want to bump on my skull. The thing is, though, the story of Seth Rollins cashing in his Money in the Bank briefcase and winning the WWE title at WrestleMania 31 is so crazy, you wouldn't believe it, even though I'm about to tell you how it went down. Because he didn't even find out this was happening until the show was going on. I mean, reports at the time suggested it was around about the time The Rock and Ronda Rousey were in the ring. And up to that very second, Roman Reigns, I can only presume, thought, what a great day, I'm about to become the champion. To the point, he had told people in his family. So when it didn't happen, you had members of the Anawai team being like, well, what the flub has gone down? There is something cool about that, though, because you actually get to see real reactions in a predetermined world. And just for a little bit more evidence, as soon as WrestleMania was done, Seth Rollins was plonked on a plane. He flew to the Today Show before coming back to San Jose because of course he had to be on Raw. The real joy is that there was not even a hint that this may be going down on this evening, which was doubly helpful because leading up to WrestleMania 31, most fans thought it was going to be absolute crap. And look, there were reasons for that. We're going to get into it. But my word did WWE pull it out of the bag, which was also true for NXT the previous night. Well, no, look, NXT didn't pull it out of the bag. NXT is always good. But again, that's another conversation for another day. So it was just a good weekend for the company, especially if you were one of the business guys, because this made over $12 million at the gate, which at the time was the biggest wrestling gate in history. And they made $3.3 million in merchandise. Where the hell is Scrooge McDuck? Oh yeah, he's swimming through his cash. We also start to learn why these days we are getting two-day WrestleManias, because even back in 2015, WWE could just not time out a show. It's why it had to start 30 minutes before the advertised time, it's why the Andre the Giant Battle Royal happened on the pre-show, and it's why the main event between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar was cut by 10 minutes, because they had to find some more time, and at one point they were like, maybe we should cut it from The Undertaker and Bray Wyatt, and thank Flubble Sticks we didn't do that, it really wouldn't have been fair for the eater of worlds. I can't get too mad at it though, because they still managed to fit this into around about four hours which is much preferred than what we did do a few years ago, which was, here's 791 matches, and the show itself will go on for 57 years. And you're trying to enjoy it because you like professional wrestling, but your brain is screaming at you, why won't you just go to bed? I want to get back into it. Anywho, live from Levi Stadium in California in front of over 70,000 people, let's up those downs for WrestleMania 3. 
Ah, oh, shit. You have got to be kidding me. Oh! Welcome to Ups and Downs with me, the puppet version of Simon Miller. Ah, nuts. Yeah, that's right. You just uh, inanimate thing with my hand up your ass. You get out of here. So anyway, yes, let's get into it. WrestleMania 31, enough with these shenanigans. And it is rare that here on Retro Ups and Downs we talk about the pre-show match, because usually there's so much else we got to chat about. But given what I just said and what WWE did, we got to get into it. Because back in 2015, somebody had accidentally slipped into a position that WWE didn't expect them to be in, where fans were cheering them and fans loved their gimmick and fans loved every single thing they were doing. So we started to believe, hey, maybe we'll do something big with them at WrestleMania. And of course, I'm talking about Damien Sandow or Ms. Dow, whatever you want to use. One of the most absurd gimmicks you've ever seen in your life, Ms. Dow would act as the Miz's stunt double and just recreate everything he was doing. So somebody grabbed the Miz ring gave him a slam you'd have Damien Miz down the outside go oh my back and he'd even throw himself to the floor but he threw himself into this with such a plum you couldn't help but smile because again I've said it before I'll say it again stupidness and goofiness in wrestling is great what also rocked was that it was completely organic so when we started to get to the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Raw and it was like well this is a tremendous occasion that we can all enjoy with a cup of tea and a banana we can have Damien Miz down grab the Miz throw him out because the Miz had been being horrible to him he can win the thing and then maybe just maybe we can turn him into somewhat of a star (laughs) but we didn't do that because we're not allowed nice things it gets worse too because you do get half of what i just laid out Damien Mizdow did turn on his boss and he did chuck him out of the thing and everyone was like, but then just as you think he's going to do something else, the big show appears behind him like flipping Jaws or King Kong. He grabs the man and he chucks him over the top rope. And do you know what every single person in that venue did? You can hear it. If you go quiet and listen, they go, huh, because it's not what they wanted to see. That sounded like somebody dying. The point is they're disappointed. It's just so bad and it's so annoying and it adds to that whole bag of things that you hold over your shoulder that sometimes you look and you go, why did WWE do that? Why did WWE do this? Who the hell was the gobbledygooker? Just keep things simple and give us fans what we want. I know we're a bunch of nerds, but come on now. That's why it's giving it down. WrestleMania then starts properly. And it is fantastic. Because having the thing kick off with a ladder match had become somewhat of a habit with the Money in the Bank ladder matches. But then, of course, we took them and made it its own pay-per-view because WWE can't help themselves. But it's a tradition I enjoyed and my word was I happy to see it back here. Look who is in this too, fighting for the Intercontinental Championship. Cody Rhodes, Wade Barrett, Daniel Bryan, R-Truth, Dolph Ziggler, Luke Harper and flubbing John Moxley, although then he was known as Dean Ambrose. It's also really cool to watch now because nobody had a clue where some of these people were going to be within the industry in six years. And sure, now looking back, we understand why they did get pissed off. But man, what a match. Everybody was doing dives to start with, including Luke Harper. And that's just going to make you sad because, of course, it's really difficult to watch anything with him in it now. <laughs> John Moxley, Dean Ambrose, whatever, climbs up a ladder and he just does an elbow drop to the back of his neck. Because, of course, before they'd gone out there, they'd all have a conversation when they were like, shall we just try and kill themselves? And everyone else would have gone, yeah, that sounds good. It's WrestleMania. The ladder is then being thrown into people's faces as Wade Barrett gives Cody Rhodes as Stardust a suplex off one of the things. And then Dean Ambrose is back to it. Because Luke Harper grabs him and gives him a powerbomb through a ladder that has been set up on the outside. And this just looks like one of the worst bumps you've ever seen in your life. And it actually takes Moxley, Dean Ambrose, out of the match 
And even at the time, and now years later, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that must have hurt him a little bit. It just looks like it sucks. The shit carnage that follows is part terrifying and part joyous, which I presume is why we like these things to begin with. And by the time Daniel Bryan and Dolph Ziggler are fighting on top of another ladder, the crowd is losing their damn minds. And their energy came out of my TV, it hit me in the face, so I was losing my damn mind even though I've seen this show before. The two then decide to use their heads as weapons and they start clonking each other right in the skull. But Daniel Bryan has a bigger clonk than Dolph Ziggler. Ziggles falls to the floor because everybody else has been murdered at this time. Daniel Bryan becomes the IC champion. And this makes you feel all warm and fuzzy in your tum-tum because of course the previous year he'd become the world champion. Then he had to give it up because of injury and now he was kind of back on top of the quote-unquote ladder. I mean, at this point, we didn't know what was around the corner. And again, it's all good now because he's in AEW. So it is just an emotional roller coaster ride. And it's getting up. The smart booking then continued, especially for those watching in real time, because it was Seth Rollins versus Randy Orton. And once more, as we've already touched upon, nobody was going, oh, I believe Seth Rollins will cash in this evening. And there's already one guy in the comments that's pretending that they did, but they did not. But flub me, they have a good match. It's also when Seth was the ultimate asshole, so he was flanked by J&J security. And of course, Randy Orton gets them and gives them a couple of DDTs. But then being inspired by what he'd just seen, Seth Rollins is doing all these crazy topes and all these crazy dives. It's just good old solid Randy Orton against, oh my gosh, high-flying Seth Rollins. And it's everything you could want from a WrestleMania match. He also is thrown through a table and is able to kick out of an RKO. And now watching this is kind of fascinating because you're like, oh my gosh, they did have big plans for Seth. You don't just do this. Nobody cares about any of that though, because when it comes to this fight, you only care about one thing, and that comes in the form of the finish. And if you can believe it, Randy Orton had heard Seth Rollins' idea and said, no, I don't want to do that. It sounds too risky, until he changed his mind just before they were going to go out there. Thank goodness he did. Because as Rollins went to curb stomp Randy, Orton uses the power of his neck and his trapezius muscles to fling Seth Rollins up in the air. And as he floats back down to earth like a feather in Mario, he grabbed his head and he gave him an RKO. And in case you're interested, it's my favorite one ever. It could not have gone better. You also get a proper reaction from Randy Orton, whose frame rate kind of breaks here. He's so excited, like doing motions like this. You're like, what the hell is going on with that guy? Before he remembers, he has to pin Rollins. And also, with hindsight, why was this better? Because it made you go, well, I guess Seth Rollins not going to catch it anytime soon because his ass just lost. This is pretty damn terrific. You know the deal with WWE, though. As soon as they give you one thing, they have to take it away, which is why next up it is Sting taking on Triple H. And much like the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, I kind of feel like Vincent Mann just found a Reddit thread from somebody who had never actually watched wrestling went, ha ha ha, pal, that sounds good. Why don't we do it for this match? And this is ridiculous from the off too, because Triple H comes out for his big WrestleMania entrance dressed like the Terminator, but the costume looks like I designed it when I was half asleep. And who the hell would ever commission me to do anything? And then when you get into the meat and bones, I mean, even now, years later, it is just so weird. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not fun. These are two very different things. And I bet if you were there live, you were having the time of your life. But for some reason, even though we were almost 20 years removed, somebody backstage had gone, da 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 I know how we should book this. It should be WCW versus WWE. Together at a cross, they went with a New World Order, which was equally as nuts, 
because it was like, no, wait, don't do that. Sting essentially spent his entire WCW career trying to fight the New World Order until he got bored of having his ass whipped. But you know what? I'm going to be in the Wolfpack for a while, but still. But yeah, after some back and forth with the commentators just going out of their way to bury Sting that'll make you want to rip your eyes out, he applies the Scorpion Deathlock to Triple H and then all of a sudden, Degeneration X's music hits. Now, of course, this is going to get a reaction because Degeneration X are one of the biggest wrestling groups ever. And when you see the road dog Jesse James, a badass Billy Gunn, and X-Pac, you are going to cheer. Sting makes the cardinal error here of just letting go of his move because he heard some noise. And then as soon as Triple H just got a sledgehammer, it happens again. But now it's the NWO. And once again, I totally understand why fans are going, oh my gosh, it's Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, and Scott Hall. I would have been doing the same thing. <laughs> that crazy Razor Ramon. He takes a back body drop onto the floor, which he did not need to do. But in all of this fracas, Triple H gets the sledgehammer. He slams it right into Sting's face. He goes down and Triple H just wins. As the commentators essentially say, oh, WWE finally the victor. It's like, what do you mean finally the victor? You bought their company in 2001. You have won this thing a hell of a long time ago. People have grown up. Some people were born when you beat WCW and now they're adults with jobs. Would you just let it go? It's also more nonsense because before all of that, Shawn Michaels just runs out and he super kicks Sting right in front of the referee. The ref's like, I don't care. What are you paying me for? Not this. And my word, parents all over the country, all over the world were like, oh, the crotch chops, the crotch chops. Please don't encourage my kid to do crotch chops because everyone's going like this and you can't do that in public. We forget about this now. If you walk around and go, ha-ching, there's my groin, somebody is going to get upset. It also sucks. This was essentially Sting's first match in WWE and then he just lost. And just to confuse you even more, after his Triple H goes, hey, sorry I tried to kill you, but will you shake my hand? And Sting goes, yeah, don't worry about it. I don't really care about being murdered. And they all make up and they celebrate. And you kind of sit there like, I have no idea what just happened but I don't necessarily think it's the way I would have done it. So it's an odd one because with its own bubble, you can enjoy it. Like, did I have a good time here? Of course I did. But when you take the rest of the context like this, just like slamming your fists into your head. Triple H didn't need to win this. We probably should have given Sting something. So after pondering it, I'm giving it a doubt. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. 
Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful too for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. To make it feel like you had tripped over and accidentally eaten a bunch of drugs too, we then cut to the backstage area and we see Daniel Bryan with the IC Championship where just a who's who's of former title holders turn up. Because Pat Patterson, Bret Hart, Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, Roddy Piper are all telling Daniel Bryan how great he is and how wonderful this championship run will be when obviously Ron Simmons walks in and just goes, damn. And why did he say damn? I don't know. That's just what he says. I don't think I want to be Ron Simmons' friend. Before that, too, Flair loses his mind and Ricky Steamboat's dressed up like he's about to have a match and they do all the yes chant. And I was like, have I accidentally eaten some mushrooms? And if you don't believe me, watch this segment, write down a bunch of notes and then go and try and explain it to someone that doesn't watch wrestling. They'll look at you like, you strange, you strange person, get out of my house. Classic WWE Next 2, I think they felt like we just need to calm everybody down here. So we went into AJ Lee teaming up with Paige to take on the Bellas. But I tell you this, I thought it was a very nice, very easy to watch match. Our women's revolution would be just around the corner, which explains why this one doesn't get much time. But look, they come out with the goods. Paige does a flip dive at one point, almost lands on her neck, and that freaked me out. And she's able to kick out of Nikki Bella's rack attack, so that was something. But ultimately, AJ Lee does that weird octopus-type finisher that she used to do on Nikki, and Nikki taps out. So I have no issues with this. I have no issues with this whatsoever, apart from the fact it reminded me about Brie Bella's entrance music. They don't come out to that here, but it was around this time period. You know what I'm talking about? Like someone's about to vomit in your face. I have nightmares about that and I never want to think about it again. Hall of Fame ceremony next. And you know how this goes. The person that got the big entrance this year was Kevin Nash, which makes it doubly confusing about why he was in a fight earlier. And the reason I look forward to these when we do do retro ups and downs or any WrestleMania is because you get the whole da-da-da-da-da and it just makes you feel quite regal. Okay, controversial time, because next up is John Cena versus Rusev, and we all know the big deal here. Rusev came out in a flipping tank. Rusev was undefeated. Rusev probably should have won. And then he took on big match John, and he lost. Here's the thing. Because he likely should have lost, and I say that as one of the world's biggest Rusev and Miro's fans, but I think the issue here actually comes in the form of John Cena as opposed to the Bulgarian brute. Because do a little bit of imagination for me quickly. Imagine this was Stone Cold Steve Austin other than John Cena everybody would have wanted the rattlesnake to win. We just didn't like Cena in 2015, which is perfectly fine, but it certainly did skew public opinion. And really it's what happened after this that was the problem. Now I know well can you say that Rusev didn't have a good run in WWE because he did, but he should have been the dominant bad guy that eventually became the world champion who everybody tried to struggle to beat. Even when we didn't go in that direction, and instead we came up with Rusev Day by accident, he was still told, if you can believe it, well, I know you're selling a bunch of merchandise, but we think it's a fluke. A fluke? 
Why do you think he wanted to leave? But that's nothing to do with this, and I think it's a really fun and entertaining match. Rusev plays his role brilliantly. At one point, Lana throws her shoe at John Cena, and that makes me laugh every single time. And while this is every single John Cena match you've ever seen, well, there's a reason he became one of the biggest stars ever. And we did kind of protect Rusev a little bit because after he's thrown himself at John, who moves out the way, he collides with Lana. That essentially causes a distraction finish, kind of maybe, and he walks into the AA and he loses for the one, two, three. But I did have fun, which is the key word as always. And afterwards, Rusev was yelling at Lana, going, you ruined this for me. And we knew what was going to happen with this. There was going to be some wet fish involved. But that ties in to the point I made earlier. It was the aftermath where this all fell into the sea in terms of sitting down watching Wrestlemania and having a good time I'm gonna get so much crap for this I'm giving it up and I would guess that what follows this is the second highlight of Wrestlemania 31 obviously the main highlight being the main event but Triple H and Stephanie McMahon are back out here which is another kick in the balls to sting because <laughs> Triple H is just all like fresh laced and fairy footed like <laughs> it's barely like I've been in a match the main reason of this segment though is not only to introduce Ronda Rousey to the WWE universe and it makes you dirty just saying it but it's also to ensure the great one makes his appearance on the grandest stage of the ball and speaking of the rock my word does he take a long time to get to the ring i bet the undertaker was backstage rolling his eyes like man this guy he's really lapping it up but nothing would be as crazy as what he did a year later where he set his name on fire but you can't complain about this go and look at every single person in the crowd they are losing their damn minds they are so flippant at me. But it does take him around about 45 years. And of course, he starts running down Triple H and Stephanie with the hint being that he was going to take Kurt Angle's place in that eventual WrestleMania match. And by the time Stephanie McMahon slaps him, The Rock is going to need some help. And then look, who just so happens to be sat in the front row? It is Ronda Rousey. And then we just get going. Ronda gets in the ring and she just beats up everybody, including Triple H. And honestly, this hasn't aged at all. This is a really flipping good segment that probably should have ended in the Rock of Ronda Rousey taking on Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. Not that I minded Kurt Angle, but obviously that would have been much bigger. But yeah, it just ticks all the boxes. It does go on for almost half an hour, which we probably didn't need to do. But come on now, it did the business. The Rock did have to talk about fallopian tubes, though. That comes out of his mouth. The guy was a little bit obsessed with this stuff. Okay, remember everything I said about John Cena and Rusev? If you don't, I'm worried about you. Please go and seek medical attention because there's something wrong with your brain. Well, it is far harder to justify when we get to The Undertaker take it on Bray Wyatt. Now, firstly, it suffered because this was the second time we'd seen it on the show, but straight up, not playing around, Bray Wyatt had to win. In 2015, he had been involved in so many big feuds against so many big names, but every single Sam time, he had lost. I was like, why is he losing? To the point, he would say all this cool stuff, and you'd be like, well, I don't believe you, Bray, because you're always talking crap. It's like when your girlfriend would go, I'll ring you later, and you sit by the phone and nobody ever calls. I don't want to talk about it. But it just means that if we weren't going to give him one on this night, there's no way he should have been matched up against The Undertaker, who, of course, also needed the victory. I'm not going to come on here and pretend otherwise. He had lost to Brock Lesnar, and we all know about that, and nobody was ever going to have him lose again the year afterwards. But we're in control here. It's the damn predetermined world. Just pick anybody but Bray Wyatt. It also suffers because it's not all that great, given that Bray Wyatt accidentally rolled his ankle when they were warming up before the show even started, so he's a little bit injured although it does have that one really cool moment when the Undertaker does his sit up and Bray Wyatt is doing the spider walk but that's not what we should be talking about in 2021 we should have been going oh my gosh do you remember that time Bray Wyatt beat the Undertaker 
but we're not because it didn't happen. It's even worse now with the knowledge we do have because we then transformed into the fiend and then he got released. And imagine I had told you this all these years ago. One day Bray White will be fired from WWE. You would have gone, who's this guy? And you would have tried to rip my nose off. Doesn't work, really silly, and it's getting it down. You soon forget about that though, thanks to an absolutely fantastic main event. And if you are gonna go back and watch WrestleMania 31, before you do, go on forums, go on websites, go on whatever the hell you want, and read the general opinion towards this match. It is absolutely hilarious. I hope Roman Reigns, this is gonna be the worst match ever. I'm never gonna watch wrestling again. And then they walked out here and it's kind of a bit of a mini classic. Now look, there was nothing wrong with thinking this because if you had watched the Raw leading into WrestleMania, you would have seen Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar pulling the WWE title as if it was some kind of a toy. It is so strange and I deliberately watched it again and even now I'm like, what are you doing? What's the end goal here? Is one of you just gonna go, Hup, it's mine now? That's not how wrestling works. So they feel like children, but I think Brock Lesnar must have heard about this because when they get in the ring, he just kicks the absolute shib out of Roman Reigns. One of these elbows that he catches Roman with when Roman's on the apron, he goes flying into the barricade. There ain't no pro wrestling stuff there. It's just one big man spanking another big man to the point I was worried about Roman Reigns. I know I'm a strange person, but this is the way it makes me feel. It is awesome though, because if you are a geek like me, it is so easy to suspend your disbelief. And don't forget you had the intrigue hanging in the air. Are WWE actually gonna pull the trigger on Roman Reigns? Because listen to the crowd, they are booing him like he's an evil villain. So what direction was the WWE gonna go in? Were they actually gonna crown their poster boy? And if you want the cherry on the cake, this was the same night where Brock Lesnar started German suplexing his ass and then looked into the crowd and said, suplex city, bitch. This is tremendous. It's also a major effort to try and turn Reigns into a baby face because he's just kind of laughing and smiling like, doesn't matter how much pain you do to me, I'm not gonna care. And look, that does not work at all. And at one point, Brock Lesnar is just pouring with blood. And to this day, I have no idea if that was planned or if it happened hard way, but either way, it looks disgusting. Of course it adds to the whole thing because deep down we're weird, weird people, but nothing adds more than when Seth Rollins' music hits and he runs down with his money in the bank briefcase. I forgot about the pop and reaction that had happened way back in 2015, and it hasn't been sullied in the last six years. It also comes after the fact that Roman Reigns has hit 45 Superman punches onto Brock Lesnar, and he just sold these like he was being whacked by a pillow. And then Brock grabs Roman, and he gives him a fourth F5, which makes everybody think that Lesnar is gonna be the champion but no, 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 because here comes the architect. So it really was perfect timing, especially because we'd never seen a triple threat money in the bank cashing before, so we started to ask questions, especially which was, well, which one's he gonna pin? Surely they won't beat Brock, but would they beat Roman? And flub me sideways, they did. Because he curb stops him right into the mat after some back and forth, and honestly, this is one of the best WrestleMania endings ever, and I ain't hearing anything else about it. It also got you excited for Raw, which always has to be the goal, but better than this, it took what was meant to be a mediocre show and turned it into a brilliant one. So I remember it ending and just being so pumped for what was round the corner and to see Seth Rollins as the champion, which means it doesn't just get an up, it gets a golden up. But just one, we're calming things down again. And as always, I give you a second opinion in the form of Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer ratings. He gave the Under the Giant Battle Raw 3.25 stars. It is entertaining, just got a stupid finish. The Intercontinental Atlanta match got 4.25 stars. Randy Orton versus Seth Rollins got four stars. 
Triple H versus Sting got 2.5 stars. The women's match got 2.5 stars. John Cena versus Rusev got 3.5 stars. The Undertaker versus Bray Wyatt got 2.75 stars. And the highlight of the night was the main event with 4.5 of his wrestling observer stars. So of course, overall it gets an up. It really is one of the best WrestleManias in recent memory, even with that Sting Triple H madness. Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.